Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right, guys. How many world changers do we have out here? How many people have received multiple words of destiny and, and prophetic words over their life? But where are all those people? Yeah, we, we got a whole bunch of them here, right? No, I just, I just really believe something. I prayed for that, and it happened. <laughs> the power of God. <laughs> Well, I, I want to, this, this is my goal today, okay? Uh, I don't normally title messages, but the, the last couple of months, I've really been feeling um, the need to kind of put titles on messages. So if you're taking notes, this message today is called The Invitation, The Invitation. Now, with you all being world changers and, and being people that's going to change the world, if it's all right if I, if I give you a little nugget today, a little something? Okay. I'll give, give you a little something today. If you, if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, and we're going to read a very familiar story. Mark 10. What do you have to say, man? Remember the old church you say that? <laughs> what do you have to say, man? <laughs> I, heard, I heard people still turning. Now, now, some of you know me, some of you don't know me. Um, real, real quick bio. Uh, we came, my wife and I, we came here from uh, Apostolic Prophetic Ministry, and uh, signs, wonders, miracles were the norm. It, it wasn't uncommon to have whole rooms baptized in the Holy Spirit during the service. It, it just, it was just very normal. And so, uh, being in that environment, we got a chance to be part of what's that right there? Gifts and surprises. Okay, thanks for that, Stephanie. But no, oh, let me tell you what this is. So my wife wrote me a card today uh, before, before I spoke, and it was just so touching. So thank you, baby. I love you. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I, thank you. Cause, you know, no, because I was about to do that. <laughs> I got an iron on my queen of Kimberly right there of 18 years. Go ahead and stand up. Yeah. Thank you, baby. I love you. And I can't go without honoring, man, my leader, Stephen Lindy, man. Get him a hand clap, man. Yeah. So why they're important, like, it's interesting. So, uh, so when we first arrived here in Atlanta, we, we did a church plant, my wife and I. And uh, we were having services on Fridays and Saturdays. And on Sundays, guess what we would come? We would come to Bethel. And so our, our leader, when he heard about it, he's like, oh, man, you can't come to Bethel, man, because uh, kind of a little jealousy there, but that's another story. So we started having services on Sundays, right? So we didn't come here for about a year. And then I'll never forget, uh, when, when we resigned from that position, we was like, man, we aren't going to come to church on time. We're not going to do none of that stuff. So we used to come late on purpose because we're out of ministry mode. You know, we're wanting to rest, you know. So you remember the ABC building? They used to have all those chairs on the side, right? So it's kind of like my plan backfired because I'm still looking eye to eye with Steve all the time at the end of the message. And so I felt like this little connection with Steve back then. It was interesting. And so and here we are today with family, right? 
So uh, I, I want to go into this thing called the, the invitation, and I want to I want to kind of move kind of fast because I'm gonna help somebody today. We're gonna read the story of this rich young ruler. Anybody like that story? Have you heard that message before? And it's been kind of like icky when you heard that message, right? Okay. Let's read this, uh, starting from verse 17. And as he was setting on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I want to stop right there. So you see, Jesus came up to him. Uh, he came up to Jesus, and he said, teacher, teacher, what must I do, right? Obviously, he knew a little bit about Jesus before he came and approached him, right? And so we can also say this, that he wasn't a bad guy. We recognize that, right? Because he said, I've kept all these things since my youth, right? Well, Jesus, being the wise person that he is, recognized something in this young man that he didn't notice about himself. Money's not bad. Everybody knows that, right? Okay. Just wanted to make that clear, because that's not what this message is about. He recognized something about this young man that this young man didn't recognize inside himself, because he came running up to Jesus. I can imagine he came with some speed and said, asked his question, right? And it says that he went away sorrowful. But I want to talk about what happened in that moment when he went away sorrowful right there, okay? Because we all experience that, don't we? Uh, I don't see any hands, but we're all human in here. So there you go. Three people are real inside here. It wasn't rhetorical. We all experience that, don't we? I call it the uh. You know what I'm talking about? Like the Holy Spirit says something, and we're not really quite ready to receive it just yet. So the response for this young man was he went away sorrowful. So for all my teachery people, I would like to give you a definition of the uh. That's right there, the E-N-H. The uh. It is internal resistance brought about by norms, beliefs, experiences, or inexperiences, or misappropriated faith and trust. Anybody want to get that again? Internal resistance. Internal resistance brought about by norms, belief, experience or inexperiences or misappropriated faith or trust. So why is that important today? Because we can see that Jesus is all wise, right? He was there in the beginning, right? In the beginning was who? And he became flesh and dwelt among us, right? Okay, and that's who he was talking to. You know that, right? He was talking to Jesus in that moment. And Jesus was looking deeper than just the young man's request. If, if he just granted the young man's request, we wouldn't really have anything to talk about. But he was talking about this particular instance right here. So throughout the years of ministry, 
there's been some major unks that I've seen in the body of Christ. And I want to talk about a few of those. Is that okay? Let's talk about some unks today. Some ENH. Write that on your paper. ENH. It's an Edwards dictionary. <laughs> ENH. We want to talk about the unk today. I call it the big three. Now, there's more, and we'll talk about some of these other ones today because we're going to help somebody today, okay? Number one, everybody's favorite, obedience. Now, I'll say all three of them because I'm going to point out something about that. Here's number two, serving. Number three, giving. Now, we're family, right? So how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. When I mentioned one of those three, the unk came. I didn't even put a situation or a request behind it, but somebody inside this room, the unk came behind when I said those three words, and I didn't say anything behind them, like, will you go do this for me, right? It just rose. It's a real place. It's in the heart. It's not that it's a bad place, and we're going to talk about that today. Somebody's going to get free today, okay? And even though the unk came up, I, I got I to bring out some scripture behind this because those three unks, right, they have some beautiful, divine, and precious promises behind them. Under obey, we got uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 1 and 19. If you are willing and obedient, you show what? Eat the what? The good of the land. Hmm, crikey. <laughs> Serving. Matthew 23, right around verse 11. says this. He who was servant among you, he's the greatest. Hmm. And then my favorite one in Malachi when he says, prove me now, here what said the Lord of hosts. Will I not pour you out a blessing? You won't have room enough to receive it. So I want to examine those three really quickly. The good of the land. The greatest. I open up windows of heaven for you. So why would we have an unk about those three things? You, you see what the end result is. You see what the promises are behind it because he said it in his word because he doesn't go back in his word. He never does. I will, but he won't, right? We will, but he won't because he's good, he's good on his word. His ways are higher than our ways. So I'm going to give some examples really quickly under those three categories, and then we're going to scoot in a different direction. Because I asked you a question in the beginning, and we're going to answer it, okay? Let's talk about this obedience place. If you've known me for any amount of time, there's, there's two stories I really love in the Bible. I love the story of Abraham, and I love the story of Joseph. And I'm not talking about Joseph, the one in the coat of many colors. I'm talking about Jesus' dad, Joseph. He's my hero. Does anybody else like Joseph, too? I'm going to tell you why. He's unheralded. And you can probably tell later on that maybe he had passed away already or something like because you don't hear much about Joseph. Excuse me. Piglet. <laughs> so what you do here is this, though. 
Before Jesus was born, Joseph had the opportunity to put away Mary. But the angel of the Lord came to him and said, don't put Mary away. Don't divorce her because she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? So what did he do? He stayed with Mary. He went on ahead and married her, and Jesus came into the world, right? One act of obedience. Act of obedience number two. When Jesus was born, we see that Herod wanted to kill all the children, so because he wanted to kill all the children, they had to do another move, right? The angel of the Lord came to him and said, you need to move because the children are getting slain by Herod, right? Another act of obedience. Act of obedience number three, Herod dies, Jesus returns to, uh, to Jerusalem, but he ends up going to Jesus of what? What do we call him? Jesus of, that's where he landed, right? All these little moves of obedience, and he had to be open to hearing what the angel of the Lord said in order for what to happen? In order for the promise to be protected. See, it wasn't just about Joseph and Joseph alone. Joseph had to have a willing heart. Imagine if when Joseph received these requests from God, Joseph caved in to peer pressure around him saying, oh man, you, you're mighty unstable. You just had the U-Haul camel packed up last week. And now you, can you imagine the peer pressure though? Can you imagine how people probably thought, okay, so you, okay, let me get this straight. You was born in a manger, so he wasn't even born in a house. Just, just all the things, that, all the warfare that could have been going in his head. He could have said, you know what? I'm not moving. Well, he was protecting something, and we're all recipients of it, right? There's my example of obedience. And service. See, I mentioned a few things in the beginning because I've been attached to them for a long time. I've been a part of revival culture for a long time. And what's one of the characteristics of revival culture? Oh, we like to shake, right? We like to get drunk in the spirit, right? We love it, right? Okay, I just want to make sure it's just the right crowd because a lot of people who come to Bethel come for that very reason, to get drunk. So check this out. Check this out. Let, let's, let's talk about this, this little service element real quick. The glory came upon the original apostles. The day of Pentecost came, and people were drunk in the spirit. And all kind of acts, all kind of signs, all kind of wonders, all kind of miracles were coming about. And as a result of, of, of these miracles coming about, the noise was abroad. It, was, was the, it was, went across the land that, wow, all these miracles are coming about. And so people started coming, right? 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. And guess what they needed at this point of so many people coming? They needed organization. They needed organization. They needed people who were willing to be able to serve the mothers, to take care of the orphans, to take care of the widows, the administration of food. But guess what? They did this for four or five chapters. And then in chapter six, they said this. They said, we're going to give ourselves to the word and devote ourselves to prayer, but we need to duplicate ourselves. But guess what? We did it first. We were the first examples of it. Now we're going to delegate some leadership to do it. But most of the time in the revival culture, what you'll find out, and this is an indictment. Say, we, we're not indicting. Say, we're not indicting. People will want the glory part of it, but not the giving part of it in that aspect, right? It's a true statement. 
And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what we're talking about today, right? You ne never present problem without solution, right? Okay, gotcha. So then let's talk about this area of giving. I, I got my own testimony of giving. I didn't really realize how important the tithe was as, as a new born-again believer in, in 1996, right? So I remember I didn't have a pastor at the time, so I just remember I had my Bible, and I was pondering whether or not I should pay uh, this, this new loan I had just received. Um, I wanted to build up my credit because I was ready to get my truck. You know, I was in the Army. I was 21. I was ready to start rolling, right? But I didn't have any credit card, so I took out this loan. And when I took out this loan, I think it was for $1,000, very small, it's like 12 installments. The tithe was the exact same amount as my installment payment. And so after I did my little budget, I was like stretched kind of thin. I was like, oh. but I remember in Malachi where it said, prove me. Why not open up the windows of heaven for you? And you know what? I didn't pay that installment payment. Two weeks later, Two weeks later, I get, because this is 96 now, we, we weren't doing email like that and stuff. <laughs> Last century. <laughs> I get this letter in the mail, and it, it is from the company that I got the loan through, right? That month, I saw negative $83 on the credit side. Our counter right there, that's a good thing, right? God had paid it that month. The very month when I said, God, I just want to prove you. I'm young in the faith. Just show me how real you are. He paid it. And this is what he said. This is what I heard the Lord say. He said, you'll never have to pay it again. The next month comes by, negative $83. Month three, negative $83. I'm 21 now, no seasoning. I didn't have anybody to say, you know, manipulate me or try and control me. I didn't know. Listen, y'all. The entire balance was paid. The entire balance was paid. $83, 12 months paid, $1,000, right? So guess what? Let's, let's do some math real quick. How many people are really good at math? He said he'll open up the windows of heaven, right? So, so let's look at this. So from the original loan, I pulled how much? $1,000, right? Well, because I didn't pay it, how much do I keep in my pocket? That's really 2000 right? You, you're tracking with me. That's more than the 83 that I put in originally. But God said, prove him. Somebody say, prove him. Another translation says, put me to the test. You see, in all these areas of serving, obedience, and giving, God is still saying the same thing. He's saying, put me to the test because we don't always see the relationship or the supernatural relationship between this physical act and the supernatural reality that surrounds it, right? Like they hold hand in hand. They're not separate. There's a connection between them. And because there's a connection and you have a heavenly father, right? He's saying, I want to bless you. But in these areas with these promises attached to them that you're feeling the uh all the time, hmm, I really want you to get past that so I can bless you. And so now we have these instances. We have these instances in our lives that we come into, I'm going to say this one, 
earthly leadership. Somebody say earthly leadership. See, it's one thing when you hear the angel of the Lord, but it's another thing we hear somebody that's on earth talk. Who knows what I'm talking about? Especially when Big Mike comes talking about serving, you're like, you go the other way, right? <laughs> it's okay. But listen, y'all, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about service. I've seen the blessing of service. It's never about the act. Remember, we talked about the rich young ruler. It's something that's here. It's about the willingness to do it. Doing it from a place of love and not from a place of duty. Because when you're doing it from a place of love, that's not striving. See, that's, that's what you'll hear in the rival culture. Anything that's past the comfort level, they'll say striving. But let's, let's differentiate the two. What is striving compared to doing it from love? Striving says this. I don't really have a connection with you. There really isn't a love connection. We're not really tailored together. So I'm trying to make something happen. I want you to love me, God. But when you're a son, you're doing it from love. You're saying, because you've impacted my life, because I recognize what Jesus has done, I'm willing to do whatever. It doesn't have to be these three areas. It, it could be anything, right? But why is this invitation so good? Because I asked you in the beginning, I asked you, were you world changers? I ask you who's going to do something. I ask you who's going to do a legacy. Well, I want to do the alternate ending. Anybody who like, like movies out here? I want to do an alternate ending, okay? Let's use this section right here, okay? I'm the rich young man. I'm the rich young ruler. I'm going to call myself Ryan, okay? Ryan the rich young ruler, right? And so you are the recipients of the benevolent act that Jesus asked him to do. These are the recipients. Let's just say this is 100, okay? Now, let's just suppose out of this 100, 30 of you had been praying, is God good? Does he hear me? Is something going to happen in my life? Because I don't know because I'm down to my last. Let's just suppose in this group, 30 of you were asking that question and praying that, and all of a sudden this benevolent act comes upon you. How would you respond? And guess what? So you begin to respond, and you begin to get joy, and you begin to get encouraged, and you begin to glorify God, but then something else begins to happen as a result of it. See, something is happening here, and then something else begins to happen here in Ryan the ruler. Jesus said that when you fulfill my joy, I'll make your joy complete. And how do we know we're fulfilling his joy and we do that? It's very easy because he said when he separates the sheep and the goats, he said that when I was hungry, you fed me. When I needed drink, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you, you clothed me. And as a result of that, we're doing something that's supernatural. Even though it's a natural act, we're doing something that's supernatural and we're touching Jesus, Right? So these guys are beginning to glorify God now, and they're all excited. Oh, Jesus hears us. Yes. And what happens as a result of that? Then their environment begins to change because now they're giving God glory in a place that they had never had, had, had results in and breakthrough in. And so now they're excited, right? Woo. Who are the ones? Who are the 30? Come on, get excited. Who are the 30? All right, yeah, my wife, she's first. Johnny Sue, who else? Yeah, but you're excited now, right? And you're telling people 
about the goodness of God. You're telling people about how he came through for you. So now from this one act of obedience, now you see this whole, I call it, I got another term that I made up from the Michael Dictionary, the blessing trifecta. The blessing trifecta. Because something happens out there, something happens in here, and guess where else something happens with? Generations. Because some of these are parents probably in this place, probably had young kids, and so their parents didn't have nothing. All of a sudden, they got something, and they're telling their children, and their children are like, I remember when mommy and daddy didn't have nothing, and they prayed, and all of a sudden, something poured out, and when something poured out, our life changed forever. Now they're seeing this little place of faith come to something that's real in their life. Something that's real. So when we're talking about world changers, when we're talking about the invitation, listen, here's the secret, guys. You ready? Recognize that the real crux of ministry is others. It's others, man. Man, last night, we had the... Okay, I could cry on this one. Last night, we had the opportunity to, uh, to play at the, uh, the Frontline Mission deal. Oh, my God. You want to talk about some legacy? I, I, I didn't know Alan. I, I, I met Alan one time. But I can imagine even with them receiving the call to do, do this mission stuff, I can imagine 20, 30 things coming up in them, trying to rise up in them, trying to not get them to do it. Whether it's finances, whether it's relationships. I can imagine there were a thousand things to not let them do it. But what we were celebrating last night was 20 years of it. You saw people in high school who were forever changed as a result of that obedience from years before. You saw people who, you could just see the light in their eyes. You know, like when somebody has really got a hold of something, like, man, they're going to be missionaries for life. But they got touched by that act of obedience from somebody just overcoming that. Ugh. But listen, Jesus, he had that same, uh, right? He had every reason in the world when he was in the garden. Because after all, he had a purpose. He was a world changer. He had legacy. When he was in the garden, he had every opportunity. He said, um, I wish this cup would pass from me. He had prophetic words over his life. He had destiny. He started in glory. He had every reason to say, you know what? I'm not doing that. Because look where he came from. He came from heaven. He already experienced what being in, in his father's presence was all the time. And he probably never wanted that union or that fellowship or that community be broken at all. But listen, he left, he left his high place. He took our place so that we could be seated in heavenly places. It's about others. That's what, it's, that's what the invitation is for. And so if I say I'm a world changer, understand this. 
that there will be the temptation not to go over these hard things. So how do I know that they're hard things? Because I'm human. Because I have uh sometimes, right? But I can tell you something. Every single area in my life where I've gotten over the uh, there's been a blessing on the other side. It was tough resigning from that ministry that we resigned from. We, Kim, Kim and I were the head of that ministry. And when we left that ministry, everybody turned their back on us. There was a smear campaign or, or on social media. I mean, it was ugly and it hurt. But look where I am right now. I'm with family. I'm with my true tribe right now. And, and like, I, I see the connectedness in it. And I see that without that, without that courageous move of, of obedience, because nobody just wants to just up and leave a place. No, especially when you're deeply connected and leading people. But God said this, I'll lead you to a good place. I'll lead you to a place that people are going to love you, going to love them. You're going to fellowship together. And guess what? You got something for them. They got something for you. And we can fellowship, right? So now, this is what I'm going to ask you today. You don't have to tell me because this isn't an indictment message. Remember we said the name of this message is the invitation. You can ask for yourself. What is it? What is it? What is, what is that thing? that all the time I can just never get over the hump. Well, I got some solution for you. Ready for some solution? In the book of James, a principle is released to us. It says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask, and he who gives liberally will give it to you, and he won't take it back. That's what it says, right? So what if it's, Lord, I get offended easy? Do you think that he'll give that to you? True story. You ready for a true story? Okay, this isn't fiction. I just got born again, and uh, dang, another money story. Shoot. <laughs> I just got born again, and uh, even when I was out there, man, I was a very generous guy. And uh, a lady, she was like a church mother, and she kind of like took me up under a wing, and she saw how, how generous I was with my friends. So uh, she said, hey, Michael, she said, uh, something's going on with my mother in, in the back in the States. I was over in Germany at the time. Any Germans out here? I love Germany. Okay. <laughs> something's going on with, with my mother back in the States. Uh, uh, can you help me out with this loan, and, and, and I'll pay you back first and 15, because that's when the military gets paid back, and I'll pay you back. So she goes to the States, and she comes back. And I didn't know she was back. She had been back for about a month and a half, two months. And so all of a sudden, I used to play basketball. So I'm sitting there in the court, shooting basketball, and in she walks after two months, right? And I remember the pain that I had when I saw this lady. So I said, God, I'm having a hard time forgiving this lady. I was, I was a new believer, so I still had some unrenewed thoughts in my head. I just imagined myself like taking a hammer and <laughs> letting it get caught in her wig back there, just die. Like, I mean, hey, that's what unrenewed my, I, I saw me taking her out. I took her out. So, so I remember that, that scripture in James right there reading it. And I remember every single day in my time of prayer, 
God, I need your forgiveness in this matter. Lord, please give me the forgiveness that you had for us when you died for us. Every single day. So four months later go by, I pray that every day, through the uh and everything, through the pain, everything. And I'll never forget. Four months later, I'm in the gym again shooting buckets. Y'all know it was on that, right? Shaka. 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 The trifecta. <laughs> Y'all know it was money. But this time, this time when she walks in the gym, I felt nothing. Nothing. I felt nothing for her. As a matter of fact, I felt like hugging her, man. I felt nothing. And I just remembered that little simple thing. That was my unk. So what happened? So as a result of that, I carry that, you see. I carry it. So when, when we resigned, many people have asked us, you know, they know the details. And with all that stuff that was going on, how were you able to get over that? I forgave. I got that 18 years before it all in my place of prayer, in my place of just asking, to ask principle, Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, knock, right? And I just kept on knocking. I didn't feel it the first day. I didn't feel it two weeks later. I didn't feel it a month later. But God, I need to forgive the way that you did. And that was an unconventional request. Anybody ever heard a sermon about that before? <laughs> about asking for something that's unconventional? Anybody heard a sermon about that before? But he met my little place of faith. And he said, now, you carry that now. So guess what I get to do? Because I'm a world changer too, right? I get to talk to people about that. And that gets to be multiplied. And so now when people leave here today, hopefully they'll do some examination within their own life. And they'll say, wow, this area right here, this has been a hindrance for me. And I know God's been talking to me about it. I know it. But tonight in my time of prayer when nobody's around because I'm doing it in secret, he's going to reward openly, right? But he's doing something in the internal places. These kind of things aren't exciting. These aren't the type of stuff that just make it just. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's something that's real. And every time you allow these, these areas that are hard for you, or every time you allow them to come up under the blood, there's a different kind of fire that you have. You have a fire that's not fickle. You have a fire that doesn't easily go out because something is in you that's real. So, and the conversation is kind of different sometimes. Like when you can talk to somebody and they've never, ever done that before, they easily cut you off for something simple. But when you have somebody who has, has that place examining them by Jesus and Jesus gives the invitation to them, to get over that unforgiveness, to get over that hurt, something begins to be real in that person's supernatural reality, all right? So if you would, could you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. Jesus, you said, in, you said in John 1 and 12, you said to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become sons, to become sons of God. And just close your eyes just for a second. Just close your eyes for a second. Understand this. 
that he was talking to that rich young ruler. He wasn't talking to the entire body of Christ. And because he was talking to that rich young ruler, we can make this, we can make this assessment that he knows who you are too, right? That he's not doing a blanket, quote unquote, correction. He's actually, let's look at this thing in Mark again, because I want to point this out. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, Jesus loved him. So right now, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this precious group of people. God, I thank you that these are my mothers, my brothers, my sisters, fathers, uncles. God, I thank you that this is family right now. But God, you said that in 2017, that this was the year of total victory. You said that every enemy would be squashed in 2017. So Lord, I just, I declare over this group of world changers right now, that the hard things, the things that have been difficult because of norms, belief, experience, inexperience, that in this very, very season right here, even as the seasons are changing, that they step into these new levels of freedom and never go back again, and that they would carry it. And guess what, God? You showed me the masses that would come. You showed me the people that would come. You showed me the healings that would come as a result. But Lord, let these be first partakers of that in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.